Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. time ago whether the people are with me or not just to preach for Jesus. Amen. And part of the reason why I enjoy preaching so much here I think and have such liberty is because I can tell you're with me. Amen. And uh, you want to hear the truth of the Word of God. Uh, But I've been a lot of places to where I've preached and the only one interested in it was me. Amen. And uh, praise God. I was interested in dispensing truth and they wasn't a whole lot interested in receiving truth. Amen. And uh, every preacher of the gospel has been there. And uh, you say, preacher, well, if they don't want to receive it, why do you keep going? Why do you why do you continue to preach? Why would you go back? You know, I preached in jails, and a lot of times some of those guys weren't interested. Some of them were. But you don't know everyone's heart. Amen. You don't know what they're receiving. You don't know what they're not receiving. And only the Lord knows. So we're faithful to dispense the truth, to give the gospel, to let him have his will and his way. And we trust the Lord to do the results. Amen. And all of that will be ironed out in eternity and it'll be ironed out at the judgment seat. Amen. And I'm glad I don't have to try to, I don't have to try to work up anything. Uh, I'm not in the business of that. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of so-called preachers in our country uh, that they'll get up, they'll take a text, they'll part, depart from it as soon as they can, and they'll work you up with stories, and they'll work you up with uh, emotional things and scare tactics and all of that. Uh, that's not, that, that's not who I am. That's not what I believe in. I don't believe you should have to ever try to, uh, you should ever have to try to use philosophy uh, or or psychology rather to try to get people to make a decision. If the Holy Ghost of God can't get a hold of somebody's heart, nothing that I do will get a hold of their heart. Amen. And so we need this evening, we need to make sure to let God have His will and His way in our heart and lives. Now let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. You know the story here. We have this family, uh, Hannah, we have Elkanah, we have uh, Penina. We have that situation there. We find that Hannah, the Bible says there in verse number five and verse number six that the Lord had shut up her womb. The Bible tells us there in verse number nine uh, that uh, the Bible says there rather in verse number seven that they made their way to the house of the Lord. And that is where in verse number 9 we see a conversation between Hannah and the high priest at the house of God, Eli. And uh, the Bible says beginning in verse number 9, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. Remember, we were here this morning. Mm-hmm. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Verse number 11 said, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and will not and not forget, excuse me, thine handmaid, but we will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. She is mouthing the words of her prayer, uh, if you will. (coughs) The Bible said, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Verse 13, verse 14. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, after she had conceived that she bare a son and called his name 
Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together this evening. We'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us tonight. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, one more time this evening. So thankful that you would even allow us to pray. Lord, we preached on prayer this morning, and I tried my best to rightly divide the word of truth out of this passage on that subject. Lord, to realize that the God of heaven has given us the ability to speak to him is such a wonderful joy and grace of God that we do not deserve. Thank you, Lord, for declaring to us that you want to hear from us. Thank you, Lord, for telling us to ask, seek, and knock. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of Jeremiah 33.3, that for us to call unto me, the Bible says, Lord, that expresses your heart and wanting to hear from us. You want prayer more than just as a religious right, just as some kind of, Lord, duty or ordinance. Lord, it's more than just some kind of uh, tradition. It's more than just some kind of religious notion that we do. And, Lord, that we just repeat week after week, day after day. Lord, it has nothing to do truly with religion. But, Lord God, prayer allows us to have a relationship with you. Lord, you want to have a relationship with us. And, God, we're humbled by that. Lord, we also want to have a relationship with you. Lord, I know that's my desire. Lord, for a person that is a prayerful individual, when they pray, that is them wanting to have a relationship with you. Lord, I'm thankful for all of the prayer warriors that you've allowed me to come in contact with in my life. All of those that have learned, Lord, that sacred posture of prayer and coming before you. And Lord God, letting you empower their life and direct their life and speak to them. Lord, in prayer, you do so much for us that we can't even express in words. Lord, you calm our fears. You increase our faith. You, Lord, give us peace that passes all understanding. You give direction for life and power for service. Lord, all through prayer and answered prayer. Father, I pray for these next few moments, God, that you'd help me to be usable in your hand. As Dr. Jarvis used to teach us many years ago, whether it is five minutes or an entire service, every time we stand to preach, it is a window of opportunity to be used in the hand of God. And Father, I pray, dear Lord, that you would help me to take this window of opportunity, use it to the fullest and to be used in your hand as you see fit. Please, dear God, I pray, forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, that I may be, Lord, a vessel that is able to be touched, able to be used, able to be a conduit of truth. Lord God, I pray, dear God, that when these people see me, Lord, it will be more than just seeing a man giving a lecture. But I pray, dear God, that as they hear me preach tonight, I pray that they would be hearing the Holy Ghost of God, ministering to them out of these verses and these things that you would have for me to say. Please, God, direct my heart and mind. Help me, Lord, to be able to be a blessing to those that are here tonight. If there's one lost, save them. One backslid, may they get right with you. And Father, I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus, if there is some saint of God that has a need that maybe I know about, maybe I don't know about, I trust that you'll meet each and every need. Lord, as only you can truly meet needs anyhow. Bless this time together. May you touch, Lord, not only the truth, but may you touch as folks respond to the truth in one way or the other. And Father, we just leave the results in your hand. May your will be done and accomplished in this place as only you can allow it to be done. In the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen, amen. and amen. As we begin this evening, I want to draw your attention, please, to what the Bible says there in verse number 20. The Bible says, Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son. 
This conception and this bearing of a son is the result of God doing what we've been preaching on these last couple of Sundays, and that is Him being a God that remembers in Hannah's life. We've talked about that already. We've talked about how this text tells us He's a God that remembers problems. He's a God that remembers prayer. We talked this morning a little bit about prayer. We talked about how uh, how the we see the revelations of her prayer that in verse 10 it was a desperate prayer. It was a directed prayer. She prayed because it was her last hope even though it wasn't her last choice. Amen. Uh, she prayed to the Lord. She didn't just uh, pray to uh, false gods. She prayed to a, to a real God that has the ability to meet needs and to answer prayer. We saw the request of her prayer that she requested that God look on her affliction, that she requested that God would remember her and that God would give to her a man child. And we talked about the need of such prayer in our lives and what these verses, how these verses apply to us and the great lessons that they teach us about being prayerful people. But this evening I want us to talk about uh, this third aspect of her prayer and then move on. Not only do we see the revelations of her prayer and the request of her prayer, but here in verse number 20, I want to say that we see the reward of her prayer. I kind of just briefly gave that note when we finished up this morning. But in verse number 20, the Bible goes on to say, we read the, we read the first part where it said that it came to pass that the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son. But notice these next few words. The Bible says, and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. That is what the name Samuel means. It means asked of God or asked of the Lord. In the, in the Bible, when you look at the names that uh, people named their children, uh, there was always a great meaning behind uh, the names given. That's why, and, and I don't know how you named your children, and I'm not fussing if you chose a name out of a book or just chose a name that you thought was pretty. That's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But with all three of our children, because of uh, this passage, the Lord uh, put it on mine and my wife's heart to make sure that every child that we had, and if God gives us any more children, it'll be the same way, that every child that we have, that there would be a day that we would be able to look at them in their eyes and be able to give them the story behind their name, and that God, the God of heaven would be the only one that would be able to get the credit for the story behind their names. I think about uh, my son Wyatt. His full name is Joshua Wyatt uh, Lawson. Of course, I always wanted to have a junior. Now, my wife denied me of that because she said, well, what will we call him? Uh, I'm Josh. He would be Josh. She has a, a brother named Josh, and uh, she didn't care for my middle name. Amen. Uh, she didn't want to call him Stephen for whatever reason. And so, therefore, I, I, I and she said, and there's no way we're calling him Junior. That's not going to happen. And so, uh, I got denied of my Junior. Uh, but then, the Lord, I believe, put it on our heart, the name Wyatt. And, of course, many of you know the story about that name. His, his middle name is also the middle name of my wife's pastor for her entire life. His, uh, Dr. Stanley Wardlaw, his middle name was Wyatt. And so uh, my oldest son is named <coughs> after, uh, after two uh, independent Baptist preachers. And I uh, thank God for the privilege of yes, being able to tell him that story. Yes, and it's named, the name, his name means a lot to him even at six years old. And he's very proud, if I could use that term. And I mean it in a correct way. Uh, he's, he's not arrogant about it, but amen. But he's very uh, very proud of his name, if I can use that. Uh, Joey, his full name is Brian Joseph Lawson. And uh, we named, of course, Brian after my wife's father, a, a uh, 
man that was uh, saved out of Catholicism as an, as an adult and uh, has experienced what it is to be pulled out of religion and to, be, to, to have faith in God and a man uh, that has been because of his background has been very generous in uh, trying to help the work of God as God has blessed him as well as trying to get the gospel out. My father-in-law's favorite thing to do outside of spending time with his grandchildren is try to find somebody that will go knock on a door with him and let him hand a track out to somebody and I praise God for that kind of a man. Amen. And then of course Joey comes uh, and his name is after my pastor uh, as far as I'm concerned and I, I, I believe with all my heart and it's okay if you don't but I do. As far as I'm concerned Joey Wampler is the greatest preacher that I've ever met. The greatest Bible teacher that you could ever hear. I'd put him up against any preacher that's your favorite. Amen. I, just, I thank God for the man of God that from the age of 16 taught me almost everything that I know about the Word of God that I know uh, about uh, that I know about the God of the Bible between Pastor Wampler and Pastor Wardlaw. Those two men taught me more than I could learn in a lifetime about the dis dis having discernment and walking with God and knowing the, the voice of God and how to follow the Holy Ghost of God. Those, those names mean something to me. And then of course God did not give me Maisie's name but he gave Maisie's name to my wife. And I'll be honest with you uh, Maisie Grace I, I didn't I, I never thought up her name. My wife was able to show me a verse of scripture and say God told me as we were as I was studying this verse what our daughter's name would be. We already had a name picked out. We already had plans to name her something else. And uh, be honest with you I wasn't too uh, it took the grace of God for me to even be alright with the name. I never heard it. It was new to me. And I'll be honest with you Brother Gary at first I didn't like it. Uh, I'm just I'm not, a, I'm not a, a different name kind of a guy. I know that's popular in 2023 uh, to name your kid anything. Amen. And to spell it any kind of a way uh, nowadays. Amen. But that's never been who I was. And so uh, when, when my wife came to me I knew that when my wife said that God told her uh, this I had seen her tell me things like that in the past and seen how God had proved that when she said she heard from God that it was truly God and God proved that to me down uh, through the years of being married to her and so when it came time uh, to name our daughter and she said God gave me this name I said well I can't argue against the Lord amen and then God began to uh, began to soften my heart toward the name and after we had picked it out and after we had planned on it uh, we told the name to Wyatt and Wyatt said oh they said to, to us he said oh it's like the song amazing grace amazing grace and uh, I said well that wasn't where the name came from son but God used my five year old son or four year old or however he was at the time and God used even him to say yes I mean all of this amen and so there is a godly testimony and a godly story behind each of their name to where we know that we didn't just pick their name because we liked it but God put on our hearts what to name our children and here in verse number 20 mm -hmm. Hannah was not uh, flippant about what she named her son. Just as me and my wife have tried to do. Uh, we see here, and this is where God put it on our heart to do that, is that Hannah here in this passage has asked of the Lord uh, the name of uh, has asked of the Lord for her child, and she names him a name that forever will mean that Samuel was requested that Samuel was asked of the Lord and that when Hannah, when Hannah says this is my son Samuel and, and we know she, uh, the Bible says she turned him over uh, to Eli. She kept her promise uh, to the Lord and allowed him to be raised in the house of God and to serve under the priesthood of Eli until God would raise him up as the prophet of the nation of Israel and as the last judge of the nation of 
of Israel. Here we find that everywhere Samuel went, if he ever introduced himself, it was a testimony to God being a God that remembers problems, him being a God that remembers prayer. Amen. That here we find the fruit of answered prayer. And when Samuel introduced himself, it would have been just as good as him saying, hello, my name is answered prayer. Hello, my name is God heard my mama and answered my mama. Amen. I'm Samuel. I was asked of the Lord and God heard and God remembered and God answered. So we see the reward of her prayer. God, I'll say this. Amen. We talked this morning about prayer. We talked about how prayer is nothing more than requesting. Amen. I'll say this though, that even though we can't demand anything of the Lord and we have put in our request to the Lord and leave it up to his determinate counsel when it comes to prayer, I do want to remind you that if you will be faithful, God answers and rewards persistent praying. Amen. Jesus, Jesus preached about that when he talked about the asking, seeking, and knocking. Jesus preached about that when he talked about the, the man that came in the middle of the night and knocked on his friend's door. Amen. And kept knocking and kept knocking until the door was open. God rewards persistent praying. Amen. Here he rewards her persistent prayer by granting her request. God gave her Samuel, the man child that she asked for. And I'll submit to you tonight that the reward of her prayer, this boy that God gave this man Samuel was no ordinary child. He was a servant of the Lord. Listen to me now. His entire life. Yes, How many of us can say yes. that we've been serving God our entire life? This was a young man that didn't just come to church. He lived at church. This wasn't a man that just sang in a, a young man that just sang in a youth choir or just showed up uh, to a youth event. This was a young man that when it came to uh, the service of the house of God was all in and fully committed to the service of the Lord uh, from the time of him being old enough. The Bible says here at verse number 24, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and three bullets and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. The Bible said at the end of verse 25 that she brought the child to Eli. He was a young child. The Bible expresses that he was, that he was young. And the Bible said that as soon as she had weaned him, as soon as she no longer, amen, had to, uh, had to, uh, had to, uh, to, to uh, take care of him in a way that uh, mothers have to, amen, for their child. As soon as he could survive without her, she takes him to the temple uh, and she takes him there, takes him to the house of God and there with the man of God, Eli, he serves all of his life. What a testimony Samuel has. He was asked of the Lord. He served God all of his life. Hannah, as I said, kept her promise and gave her answered prayer. She gave her Samuel to the Lord's work. As soon as she had weaned him, he served in the temple from that day forward. And the Bible has much to say about the great man of God that Samuel became. I think about Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 24 where the Bible said in Acts chapter number 3 and verse 24 that he became a prophet of the Old Testament. That's right. He was the man of God. He was the prophet of God in his day. Acts 13, 20 tells us that he became, as I've already said, the last judge of the nation of Israel. He was the man that appointed Saul to be king over Israel in the days of the judges, or when the days of the judges were through, excuse me, and he later chose David to be Israel's next king. Think about this with me. Go take your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter number 15. Jeremiah chapter number 15 about as we think about Eli here. Look at this look at this verse of scripture with me for just a moment. Jeremiah chapter number 15. Jeremiah chapter number 15 and verse number 1. To me this is one of the most thought-provoking statements in all the Bible as we consider 
what it says about the two men that are mentioned here. In Jeremiah chapter number 15, verse number 1, let me give you just a brief moment of context as you study through the book of Jeremiah, and I'm making this very simple. This is the Cliff Notes version, okay? You read the book of Jeremiah, uh, the nation of Israel uh, is, is going back and forth between obedience and disobedience. God has punished their disobedience. God is angry at them for being so sinful, uh, for cheating on God, Jeremiah chapter number three says it is as if in their spiritual life they have embraced idols and they have they have loved idols instead of loving God the way that they should and God declares that they are sp committing a spiritual adultery of sorts against the God of Israel. God in his anger toward the nation of Israel utters the words of Jeremiah 15 1. This is what God said in, in that verse. The Bible said then said the Lord unto me unto Jeremiah though Moses and Samuel stood before me yet my mind could not be toward this people cast them out of my sight and let them go forth God says Israel has been so sinful Israel has been so wicked he said that he says here that his mind could not be toward them in other words that his mind could not be directed in a favorable sense toward them he cannot God is saying here he couldn't cannot be persuaded uh, to see them favorably to treat them favorably to just stay his hand of judgment and he says this the Moses and Samuel stood before me in other words God is saying this that my mind will not be changed but if it could be changed Moses and Samuel would be the men that could do it you say preacher well that 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 sounds that sounds good but uh, is there any proof that this is more than just uh, stating some names that Israel would have been familiar with or associated with or holding high esteem. Oh, yeah. It's more than just he, he does not say, though, Abraham or Isaac stood before me. Even though Abraham was probably out, out, Moses and Abraham, of course, Abraham out of those patriarchs would have been one of the most famous names to be uttered in Israel. And he does not say, though, Abraham stood before me. He does not say, though Isaac, the son of promise, stood before me. He did not say, though Jacob stood before me as a man that wrestled with God uh, till the breaking of the day. He does not say that. God chooses these names, not arbitrarily, but purposely. Why? Because these men were men of such character and such presence with God that they could change God's mind. And we know know that because they are men that did yes, sir. change God's mind. Go with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus chapter number 32. I know I'm taking this a little bit slower tonight than I normally do in preaching. <clears throat> Part of it is for my voice sake. And part of it is because I want you to see these. That, to me, this is a very important part of the message that I want to bring to you tonight. This, this idea that Moses and Samuel stood before me. I want you to understand that when God answers prayer, God doesn't just, God uh, is, when He answers prayer, yes, He may do a small thing, but at the same time, don't forget when God answers prayer, God can do magnificent things. God can do big things. All Hannah asked for was a man-child. All, all she asked for was a son so she could give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And God did not just 
just simply answer her prayer. God went above and beyond what she asked for. And I'm telling you this evening, that's the kind of God that we have. You can pray a prayer and God and his answer will do so much more than you even praying specifically and even trying to give all of the things that you feel like you need out of the prayer and praying as specific as you can. We have a God that is able when he answers our prayer to do so much more than even we thought we needed. Yes, he blesses in ways beyond we could have even, we would be satisfied a lot of times with God just simply giving us what we asked for. God just simply answering a prayer and meeting a need. We'd be satisfied with that. But how many in the house tonight know that we have a God that not only meets the need but surpasses the need when it needs to be met. Amen. I'm looking at people all around this room that I can think about times in your life where we have prayed together and asked God to do something and God didn't just answer the prayer and just give us what we need and what we begged God for, but he did so much more and so much better than even we thought that we needed. I'm telling you, friend, God is so good to us. He's better to us than we deserve. And I, I think God takes great joy and great pleasure. Yes, Hannah, ask for a son, but I'm going to give her a son like no other. All she wanted was a man-child. She wanted to give him to me, and because she wanted to give him to me, I'm going to use him in a way that no one will ever be able to say any different other than that God used Samuel, and God touched Samuel, and God ministered through Samuel. Could you imagine what Israel would have been? You study your Old Testament. Could you imagine what it would have happened in the nation of Israel had there been no Samuel? Yes. Oh. Had God not remembered the prayer of this lady Hannah? And by the way, ladies, can I just tell you, and I know I've said this before, but y'all just y'all y'all just hang with me and let me repeat myself for just a minute. I understand those of us that believe this King James Bible, the world will look at us and say that it's a chauvinistic book and it's a book that oppresses women and, and that we in our independent Baptist churches think women are nothing and think that women have no place in the house of God. Can I tell you that couldn't be further from the truth? Do you know how God, you know how Israel got a Samuel? It was because there was a little mama that wanted a baby so much that she loved God enough and she'd had faith in God and trusted God enough to where she gave her prayer to the Lord with an open heart not expecting big things or great things. All she wanted was a baby and she said God this is what I want. You bless, you bless in that regard if you want to. And God used a lady by the name of Hannah to give the most anointed prophet that perhaps Israel had ever seen. Amen. I mean, this is a man, I've already said it to you, this is a man that put his hands on two kings of the nation of Israel. I'm telling you, this is no ordinary man. Look at Exodus chapter number 32, verse number 7. The Bible says, and the Lord said unto Moses, go get thee down. By the way, if you study the Old Testament, yeah. you want the Old Testament in a 10-second nutshell? <laughs> the Old Testament is this. God's people are going in and out of sin. Yeah, and right. God's pointing them back to Him, and they sin, and He judges them, and points them back to Him. They sin, and God points them back to Himself. God offers forgiveness. God offers grace. Amen. And it's a constant back and forth of spirituality in the, in the nation of Israel, in the Old Testament. And can I say this? In the year 2023, not much has changed. That's right. Amen. Amen. Not much has changed. Amen. Amen. We live We live in a world, we're living in a day where we are constantly going on an emotion, uh, rather a spiritual roller coaster, back and forth. We're down today, up tomorrow, and there, there's very little stability amongst God's people today. Amen. Here we find Israel in the same spot. The Lord said to Moses, go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. Yeah. I think it, I've never noticed this before until I just read it. But I find it interesting that God, when he's mad at Israel, he does what your wife will do when the kids are acting up. He said, those are your kids. 
God just said, get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land. That Man, I'm telling you, that just, that interested me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. Yes, sir. Have corrupted themselves. They have, that, by the way, that's something that every man of God that's leading a congregation of people would just love to hear. He's on the mountain having a worship service with God, and God informs him, you know, the, those people that you're leading, those people that you led, that, that you led out of Egypt, that you led out of the world, that you led uh, out of a life of sin, and you're headed toward uh, Canaan lands, you're headed toward a victorious Christian life. Those people, yeah, they've corrupted themselves. In other words, they, they're acting foolish again. They're, they're, they're dabbling in sin again. Yeah. The Bible said, verse 8, they have turned aside. Notice this word. How powerful. Quickly. Out of the way which I, have, which I commanded them. By the way, there's a great lesson in that for us. How soon we depart from what we know to be right. The Bible said, goes on to say, they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Again, this is something that I'm seeing just now. As I'm reading this in your presence, I wonder if God called the people of Israel Moses' people because of that statement. These be thy gods, O Israel. If they're not recognizing him, he's not recognizing them. How about that? Interesting thought. Yes, Verse sir. 9. Yes, sir. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Yep. Now, therefore, let me alone. Now, this is God speaking. He tells Moses, let me alone. In other words, stop praying. Stop pleading on their behalf. Stop interceding for them. Let me alone. I'm it's a terrible day when God turns you over. Yes, sir. When God, when God turns, when God turns loose of you, that's a terrible day. Yes, Romans one says that that's happening to people all over the world. Right. That God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them over yes, to a reprobate mind. Yes, it's a bad day when God will say, "Leave me alone." Yeah. That my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them. And I will make of thee, he's speaking directly to Moses, I will make of thee a great nation. Can I just say this with that verse? If Moses was a man, the Bible said that Moses was the most humble man to ever live. That's not someone's opinion. That wasn't even Moses' opinion of himself. God said that about Moses, that he was the meekest man on all the earth. He was a humble man. He was the most humble man to ever live. God said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. Not, not, not that he's going to make a nation and then let Moses lead them. No, he said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. You're going to be the top dog of the nation. You're going to be the one that gets all the accolades for the nation because you are faithful and they are not. Verse 20, or excuse me, verse 11, the Bible said, and Moses brought the Lord his, uh, besought, excuse me, the Lord his God. He's begging before God. He's pleading before the Lord and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? Think about, think here about the boldness of Moses on behalf of the children of Israel. God just said, Moses, they're your people. And Moses in his prayer to the Lord says, why does your wrath wax hot against thy people? Moses is reminding God that Israel are his people, that the nation of Israel are his people, his children. I would say this, I don't know if I would ever be bold enough to make such a statement to the Lord. The Bible said, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt. God said, Moses, you brought them out of Egypt. Moses said, no, God, you brought them out of Egypt. I don't know if I could be the man that would do a whole lot of arguing before the Lord in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Correcting God in what God said. Yes, the Bible said, which thou brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore, notice verse 12, yeah. the Bible says, Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out 
to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That's the name for Jacob. Thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. Notice verse, tw verse 12 and 13. Moses is, is essentially saying this, God, if you destroy Israel, they won't be able to do what you said would happen through them. And it is your testimony that is on the line. That heathen nations will look on and say God did what he did in mischief. That God did what he did and he brought them out of Egypt with ill intent to just destroy them along the way. And he was he's a vengeful God and a hateful God and you, and in other words he's saying God you'll give them ammunition to, to bring a negative word a negative testimony against your name and notice verse 15 or verse 14 rather and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. God at the end of verse 15 admitted by way of inspiration and preservation of the Word of God. When God inspired it and then preserved it for us in the English language, God put an amen on what Moses had said about the children of Israel. God said, Moses, they're your people. You brought them out of the land of Egypt. Moses said, no, God, they're your people, and you brought them out of the land of Egypt. And when it was all said and done, God put in the Bible unto his people. God said amen to what Moses said. Yeah. When the Bible said that the Lord repented of the evil, it meant that the Lord changed his mind. Right. Right. Now, if you ask me to explain all that, you'll, you'll, you'll need to find some more questions because I'm telling you, I can't answer that. I've told you before, God's bigger than I am. I'm not going to try to put God in a box. All I know is what this verse said is that God wanted to destroy Israel. Moses prayed on their behalf and God changed his mind. He did not do that. Moses was a man that the Bible declares had changed the mind of God Amen. just by his prayer life, just by asking. We find Samuel in the company of Moses, a man that was chosen to be God's leader of the nation of Israel, a man that God chose to write the very first words of Scripture in our Bible that Pentateuch, the books of Genesis through Deuteronomy. Moses was the vessel by which God gave Israel the laws that would govern their lives, and many still today seek to follow the Mosaic law, even in our day, Moses was co-quoted all throughout the Gospels by the religious leaders of Christ's day and by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Moses is a man that the Scripture said had personally been in the presence of God and was in God's glory so much that his godly glory shone on his face to where he was hard to look upon. The Bible says that Moses was a man that God handed the Ten commandments too on the tablets of stone and the Bible says in Exodus chapter number 32 that he was a man that was able to change God's mind. Numbers 14 28 tells us that he is one, he is one who God cared enough when he prayed as well not only in Exodus 32 but Numbers 14 28 tells us that God cared enough about Moses' prayers to change his mind there as well. Can I say this? That's the kind of company that God put Samuel in. You cannot read the Old Testament without reading of Hannah's son Samuel that was born because we have a God that remembers prayer. Hey. God can reward your prayers in ways that you'll never imagine. Can I say this tonight? I'll, I'll have to be done here. Can I say this tonight? I'm thankful for the times where God has shown me that not only when I prayed that he heard it, but when I prayed he had a record of it, he knew about it, it didn't escape his mind, 
And I'm glad to report to you there have been many times down through the years where God has answered prayer after prayer after prayer in my life. I'll tell you this, there was a day as an eight-year-old boy where I prayed the very first prayer that I ever could pray. It was a prayer of repentance and faith. When I asked God to come into my heart and to save me, He heard that prayer. He remembered me and He did exactly what I asked Him to do. He came into my heart and the Spirit of God is in the indwelling is indwelling me to, tonight, empowering me to do whatever it is that will make a difference in eternity that I'll ever do for God. He came into my heart. He saved me by His grace, and I couldn't go to hell if I wanted to tonight because God's a God that remembers prayer. I remember as a young boy, I remember spending much of my young life begging God to save my brother and begging God to save my family, and I remember a day when my when my adult brother came to me and said, Josh, I've never told you this, but I would not be saved today if it wasn't for you. Amen. He said, yeah, I was the only one in my house that was saved. And he said, every time you, we, us living together and you loving God and wanting to serve God and wanting to, uh, to, to be in church and let God use your life, he said, every time I was around you, God put me under conviction and God used your life to point me to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That was my big brother that said that to me, that I had spent all of my young life praying for his salvation, trying to witness to him, trying to be trying to be a witness for Christ to him. And God answered that prayer. I'm glad, amen, that I don't have to, I won't have to go to heaven by myself. I don't know if my whole family circle won't be unbroken. But I thank God there'll at least be somebody in my family that I'll get to see over there because we have a God that remembers. Amen. I could tell story after story. I remember being a young man with no job, out of a job for several months, couldn't get a job. And God kept me so busy preaching, I was able to pay all of my bills. Amen. God answered. It seemed like when the bill would come due, there'd be a phone call saying, Brother Josh, I need you on this Sunday. Are you available? And I'm talking about from the time of being a teenage, about to think I was 18 years old. And God, that's why I've told my wife, no matter what happens, no matter where our finances are, I'm not worried because I have been, I have had nothing. I, I, man, I feel like the Apostle Paul sometimes when he said, when he said, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. I know what it is as a young man to grow up in a home that didn't have very much and have very little to nothing, to be a young teenage boy with nothing and then trust the Lord and the Lord bring exactly what we need. Amen. Amen. God's faithful that yes, way. Amen. Amen. I think about my wife jokes about it all the time. When somebody picks on her about her height. She's five foot nothing. I've told y'all this story. <laughs> I remember as a young man, I heard an evangelist preach that's in heaven tonight. And he, he told the story of him getting married and how he learned from Dr. Larry Brown the same thing that my pastor learned from Dr. Larry Brown and passed on to us preachers in the church. He said, who you marry determines your destiny. Mm -hmm. Dr. Larry Brown made sure all those preachers in that college knew that. My pastor made sure he had all of us young preachers quote that back to him on a regular basis. Who you marry determines your destiny. This evangelist was a student at Victory, and he said he heard Dr. Brown teach that. I don't remember whether it was in preaching or whether it was in one of the classes there at the college. And he said he heard that. Who you marry determines your destiny. And he said, I want, he said, I want a wife that God can bless and use in our ministry. And so he said that, and he said he heard somebody preach on praying specific prayers. Amen. Like I preached to you this morning. And he said, I began to be as specific as I could. Good. He said, I wrote down on a piece of paper everything that I wanted God, uh, everything I wanted in a wife, and I was going to ask God for And Every day I'd go through that list, and I'd pray it for, before the Lord. He said, I told God what kind of hair color I wanted. I told God how tall I wanted her to be. I told God all of these different things, that I, all these physical descriptions, all of these spiritual things that he wanted in a wife. And he said, I went down the list. Well, 
16-year-old me, 17-year-old me, I don't remember how old I was. I heard him preach and he gave that as an illustration of the message and I said, well, work for him. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I went home and did the same thing. I've told y'all the story on my list out of a bunch of other things was I asked God, I said, I want her to be brown-headed, brown eyes, five foot tall. You say, why do you want, why did you want her to be five foot tall? Because I did not want her to be taller than me. I wanted, I didn't, that was one thing I was not willing to give up on. Amen. I didn't want her to be taller than me. And I wanted it to be significant to where we weren't looking at each other in the eyes. And so five foot was what I came up with. Depending on what kind of shoes I'm wearing, I'm anywhere between 5'11 and 6'1, depending on what kind of shoes I'm wearing. And so I I wanted it to be pretty significant and the height difference. When me and my wife got married, she's five foot flat, brown headed, and brown eyed. But Tommy, on the spiritual side, one of the things that I asked for was I said, God, I want her to be in an independent, fundamental, Bible believing Baptist church. I don't want her, I don't want to have to try to pull her toward a King James Bible. I said, God, you, you're using me, your hands on my life, you filled up my calendar with meetings. I don't have time to play games with girls. I don't have time to try to bring them on my side. I need someone that's already where she needs to be walking with God and serving God so we can hit the ground running for the Lord. And I prayed that. I prayed specifically. I said, God, I want her to have a pastor that I know, a pastor that I respect. How about that? Wow. How about that? And a pastor that I'll be able to serve God with. I didn't realize that I'd already met the pastor I was praying about. I did not realize I had already preached for the pastor that I was praying about. I did not realize that I was already personal friends with the pastor that I was praying about. When I preach to you and say God answers specific praying, I can tell you He does. When I look at you and I tell you that not only does God answer for specific praying, but God will go above and beyond. And I'm telling you, y'all know this by now by listening to me preach. I have an analytical mind. When I go to a text, I, it's hard for me not to just go one word at a time, one punctuation at a time, one verse. I, I, when I get, it's, it's either all or nothing with me. That's right. That's the way my brain is geared. So when I tell you I had a list, I mean I had a list. And God went through my list, gave me everything that I asked for, and then so much more. God knew. God knew the kind of woman that I would need. I had no idea at the time, Brother Tommy, what it would be like to be a father. What it would be like for that lady that I would marry to be a mother. And it has been a joy to watch God go above and beyond what I asked. Brother Dean, I don't know how to express in words what goes on in my heart when I see that little girl that God let me marry almost eight years ago this month. And I see her hold our babies. And I see her, she's at the house right now taking care of sick babies. So I can be here and do what God's called me to do. Those are just extra things. Yes. <laughs> Friend, I have a God that loved me enough that He allowed me to have all kinds of extra things in life. I didn't even, we know not what to pray for as we ought. And when we, even even in our, on our most spiritual day, praying with a heart for God as, as on fire as we know how, God still knows so much more than we know. He's able to give us more than what we ask for. Yes, he goes above and beyond. Aren't you thankful for a God that remembers prayer tonight? I'm thankful for the God that He is. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching tonight. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.